Okay. And then isn't that nice? Shane can eat this like no tasteful. We'll miss you shipping. Okay. Self-corrected. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. So, and either way, it's good because you know that either phrase is correct. <laughs> either phrase is correct. So, can we start on verse two then? Um, yeah, let's start. Let's yeah. start at the beginning. We have time. Okay. Let's start at the beginning. <laughs> Tell me if you can hear the drumming stuff.
have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Read New City Catechism question 30 with me. What is faith faith in in Jesus Christ? Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ Christ is acknowledging the truth of everything that God has revealed in his word, trusting in him, and also receiving and resting on him alone for salvation as he is offered to us in the gospel. You may be seated. Thank you. Welcome. I'm glad that each one of you are here today. What is faith in Jesus Christ is our question, and our text was Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Last week we looked at how we can be saved and we looked at Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 that we are saved by grace through faith. And we looked at those those components of what our salvation looks like. This week we're digging just a little bit deeper into the life of faith. That salvation isn't just a one-time commitment to Jesus, but it's a lifetime commitment. So as I studied this subject, that uh, New City Catechism answer to the question, which I I think is a good summary to what a life of faith looks like, what I saw was a life of faith, looking at a life of faith. And we're going to look at that life of faith, that it begins with this portion of Galatians 2.20 that says, I have been crucified with Christ. So we're going to look at that first. I have been crucified with Christ, what that means. Secondly, we're going to look at even deeper that that life continues. It's not just a one-time believing. It's a continued believing and putting your trust in Christ. So we're going to look at the life I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God. So the life you're living now, today, right now as a believer, you need to be living by that same faith. Then thirdly, we want to look at the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Let's begin. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I've been crucified. What does that mean? I no longer live. What does that mean? I'm still living. I'm alive. What is Paul trying to say here? What is Paul trying to teach? What is this book of Galatians specifically all about? He's trying to teach the gospel. He's trying to teach the good news of who Jesus is and what a life of faith looks like in him. Would anybody like to hear some good news today? Amen. That's what what this passage of the gospel is. You see, in the beginning of Galatians... Paul is telling the church there that they have, they're, they're falling away from Jesus. 
their purity of devotion to Jesus. They are uh, deserting Him who called them to a different gospel. So he's confronting where they're headed in their teaching, and he's bringing his teaching, and his teaching is centered on this scripture. And this scripture is announcing the good news of the gospel, and he's clarifying specifically what it is and what it isn't. He says that they're deserting him for a different gospel, that is Jesus, deserting Jesus, running in a different direction for a different gospel and he goes on to say in chapter 1 of verse 7 that it's not really a different gospel it's a distorted gospel the gospel can be distorted the good news of who Jesus is can be distorted and what was happening in this church was distorting the gospel Paul begins to say am I qualified to tell you this as an apostle of Jesus, I want to tell you what has happened in my life, how I arrived at this gospel. So Paul gives us a sort of different kind of testimony than he gives in Acts about meeting the risen Jesus on that road to Damascus when his eyes were blinded and they burned, his eyes were like scales. He tells a different Uh, nuanced uh, testimony here to the Galatians in verse 13 through 15. I'll just read part of it. He says, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. Would you like to start off conversation telling your testimony to a church about how you violently wanted to destroy the church? That's how he starts off, and he says, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my, of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the tradition of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace, sounds like last week, by grace are we saved through faith, who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me. I just stop right there in that portion. He was pleased to reveal his son to me. This is where faith began in Paul. When Jesus, when God revealed his son to him, when he was pleased to reveal, if he's pleased with you, he will be pleased to reveal Jesus to you. This is the greatest revelation that we can have is to be able to see Jesus and who he really is. Therefore, Paul can say, I have been crucified with Christ. My former life that he mentioned here, you've heard of my former life in Judaism. I, that old person, that person who persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it, that I, that I has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Because he intervened, he called me by his grace, he revealed his son to me, This is what faith looks like, especially in the beginning. It looks like repentance. You see, when Jesus came on the scene and he said, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, the first words out of his mouth were, repent. 
Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent. And you see this life in Paul, you could see, was a life of repentance. It once looked like this, and now it looks like this. It looks changed. It looks transformed. It looks like an old person who has died and been crucified with Jesus and now is living a new life of faith. It looks new. Galatians 1 17 and 18, Paul goes on to say that after this salvation experience, his beginning in Christ, he didn't just immediately start preaching the gospel. He actually spent, we find out here, he went away into Arabia, into the deserts, returned again to Damascus. After three years, I, just stop right there, just then after three years, Three years of studying, mulling in the Old Testament scriptures and discovering this gospel that he is presenting, does he have this apostolic authority to say, your gospel is getting perverted, your gospel is getting distorted, your gospel that you're turning to is wrong. You're falling away from the truth of the purity of the gospel. And I think when we look at his life and we see this Beginning, then we see this three years that he spent completely looking at the scriptures that he knew by heart, that he knew by memorization, that he excelled in in Judaism. Now he was seeing through the eyes of a resurrected Jesus that appeared to him. This changed his whole life. He prepared. Every question that he had from that point of view, from his Jewish upbringing that he had wrong, he was ready to now defend this Jesus resurrected in the new life of the gospel, his death and resurrection. He could say, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He was saying this. He, he then spent... Uh, you know, several weeks with Peter, with Cephas here. He, he, he talks about this time where he spent with him, a little bit of time with James, who was the pastor there in Jerusalem. He did pick up some things from them who walked with Jesus, but most of what he received was in the deserts of Arabia for three years. Not revealed by man, but revealed by God. And he has this gospel, and he says in Galatians 1, and 24, he says, At this time, I'm still unknown. Nobody knows who I am. Uh, in, in, even to the churches in Judea that are in Christ, they don't know who I am. They only were hearing it said. Here's how much they knew about Paul at this time after three years of transformation, this whole study. He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. They glorified God. I mean, it sounds like this grace had worked in Paul and changed his life, that by grace alone, through faith alone, they were glorifying God because of him. Glorifying God alone. They weren't going... Way to go, Paul. They were like, that's God. Let's give glory to God. That one who once persecuted us is now preaching the very faith. Hear that? That's what we're talking about today. What is this faith? 
What is this not just saving faith, but a life of faith look like? And Paul's saying, this is what it looked like in my life. And this is what it comes down to here in Galatians 2, that that former life I had in Judaism, that life is now crucified with Christ. Looks completely new. I'm living a new life of faith. We see that Paul said, I've died. I no longer live. Might be saying, like he said to the Corinthians, I'm a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, new things have come. He's saying this life of faith, you see, creates a new life in the place of the death of the old one. A dying to the death of the old one brings forth this new life. This is a life of faith. In Jesus Christ, that brings change. It brings about death. I have been crucified with Christ. And it brings about a new life in faith in Christ. It brings about change. A transformation so dramatic, it would be called death from life. Death, out of death to life. A new life. We see this in in other people. Hundreds and a couple of thousand years almost later from, from Jesus and the Apostle Paul. We hear it in the one who wrote this song that we sing called Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. This one who wrote this, John Newton. We look at his life and we see that he admits to being a slave trader. And he, by his own estimates, figures that he transferred about 20,000 slaves across the Atlantic. But he was converted, and he became a Christian, and he later studied, and he spent years studying. And he became a pastor in England, and he wrote these lyrics. He wrote them, as he says, about his life that he would have nightmares at times waking up hearing 20,000 slaves crying out he could hear their souls in agony now and yet he wrote a song out of that what he was saved out of he wrote amazing grace how sweet the sound that would save a wretch like me he could hear the hardness and the coldness of his heart that was tone deaf and silent to the screams of souls on the bottom of that ship, just locked in the hardness of his heart and greed to make money and all of the other things that might go along with that. Yet God somehow reached him, reached out to him, saved his life and changed it and transformed it. One of the things he said, it's a summary kind of, not in his old English language in the 1800s, but it would say say something like this, what he said toward the end of his life. I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I want to be. I am not what I one day will be. But I am not what I was. I know that much. I know I've been crucified with Christ. I know I'm not the same. I know my former life has been transformed. Believers, 
Christians, you sitting here today that have placed your faith in Jesus, your life has been changed and transformed. And if it hasn't, you have to question whether you have encountered the resurrected Jesus Christ and whether you have truly been crucified with Him. Whether you have begun in faith because this faith begun delivers you from your old life. Genuine Christians can look back on their lives and say similar things. I I know I'm not what I was. If you look back on your life and there's no change, no seeming visible change, maybe the God that you once had of money is still your God. The God you once had of sex, power, pleasure, greed is still your God. Manipulation or control then you have to question whether you've encountered Jesus, whether you have ever placed your faith in Jesus, whether you have ever and can say, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. If you are still living and your gods are still reigning supreme in your life, the gospel comes in and it changes a life forever. This is the good news of the gospel. It changes life. It has power to save. It has power to heal. It has power to deliver. This is what salvation is. It delivers you out of your old life into a new life. It heals you from all of the sicknesses and diseases of sin, and it delivers you out into a life healed and made whole. We sang about that. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. It becomes a song. It becomes a song in your heart. Amazing grace that would save a wretch like me. Teresa and I got to go see a singer that we like. When we got to go to Nashville, her name was Liz Bice. It was in a real intimate setting with maybe 100 people. It was real neat. She got up, and she sang this song that we were familiar with. It's called Empty Me Out. And I think it goes along with this, I have been crucified with Christ. Empty me out. Fill me with you. I lay down my life here at your feet. You give me life so completely. And then she goes into the chorus, Now I have died with you. I was buried with you the moment I believed. And I rose with you, ascended with you into the heavenlies. Lord, it's not me. It's you inside of me. And Jesus, you're all these eyes can see. Empty me out. Empty me out. Empty me out so completely. I think she's saying crucify me let me be crucified with Christ let me be able to say along with Paul I have been crucified with Christ empty me out I have been crucified with Christ so completely I've died with you the moment I believed the life I now live is all about you you're all I can see Jesus you're all I can see I have been crucified with Christ The world says do the very opposite. The world says satisfy yourself. The world says if you don't listen to yourself and what it wants, you're living a lie. So go and live whatever you're feeling inside and and just do it. The world says 
live for I, live for self. But I would remind you of the words of Jesus when he told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny self. Deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Losing our life for Jesus' sake actually causes us to find true life. Being crucified with Christ and dying to our former manner of life actually brings a new life of faith. We're raised with Christ into the heavenlies. It brings this new life. That's why Paul could say this second portion of this scriptures as I've divided it. And the life that I now live, I live by faith. The life that I now live, yes, that was faith. Yes, that was faith. I began, I met Jesus. But now I'm living a life of faith. In our commentary This week, Jonathan Edwards said, Faith is the soul's entirely embracing the revelation of Jesus Christ as our Savior. It's like the soul entirely embracing. And just you hear this in Paul's language that he's just wholeheartedly embracing all that Jesus is. He's not picking little parts and saying, Well, I like this, I don't like that, cut that out, I like this, I like this, or don't like that. He's just all out embracing who Jesus is. Jonathan Edwards goes on to say, it is the whole soul according and assenting to the truth and embracing it. Because Jesus is that truth and Jesus is that way and Jesus is that life and he is the only way to the Father and there is no other way and you must embrace him fully. This is the life that I'm trying to touch on a little bit today. A life that fully walks in faith and embraces wholeheartedly and completely all that the Bible reveals about who Jesus is. That's what our catechism answer gave. It's, it's fully embracing all that Jesus is. So the Apostle Paul says he was pleased to reveal his son to me. When that revelation of who Jesus was to Paul, he embraced Jesus with the whole of his being. With the zeal and passion he spent to destroy the church, he was now spending loving and building up the church. And you can see that same kind of zeal in the Apostle Paul. Paul had met Jesus on that Damascus road. He had begun a life of faith in Jesus. He was crucified with Christ and he continued to live a life of faith. And now... The life that I now live, I live by faith. In our commentary that we studied this week also, there was some commentary by John Yates. And he talked about salvation, and I think this was very helpful for a lot of people as we discussed it in our our men's Bible study. He said, salvation can come instantaneously as it did for Zacchaeus when Jesus entered his house. You remember that like instantaneous salvation that just came to Zacchaeus? If you don't, this is recorded in Luke chapter 19. Zacchaeus, it says, was a chief tax collector. Wasn't just a tax collector, a chief tax collector, and he was rich. That's how he was identified, 
a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Say no more. We get it. Jewish people had been oppressed and oppressed and oppressed, and at this current time they're oppressed by Rome, ruled over by one of the most powerful empires that's ever ruled the world. Israel was crushed into submission, and you had to find a job. You had to work like Joseph and Mary did as Nazareth, as carpenters, make a living day by day, being heavily taxed, being heavily oppressed, majority. Or if you're good with numbers, maybe you could take a good job with the Romans and become a tax collector. If you're a good accountant, good with numbers, they would pay you well because they needed people that were good with numbers and they liked it, in fact, that you had to become loyal to them and that loyalty to Rome meant that you were hated. And I mean hated with a hate way more than the tax collectors are today. You might hate. It was a removal from every kind of social I, I, I help in, from your community that you could be. You were a betrayer and a traitor to your people and your country. Zacchaeus was hated, but Jesus walked up to him, standing in that tree as he was passing by and said, Hey, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to come to your house for dinner. And you can imagine the gasp that that brought, even by his own followers. But he went, Jesus went into his house. And, and this love that Jesus brought into his presence, just Zacchaeus just stands up. This is his instantaneous salvation coming to him. And he says to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of all my goods. Remember, he was rich. That's going to be a lot half of everything. I'm going to give to the poor. The other half, here's what I'm going to do. Anybody that I have defrauded, I will pay back four times the amount that I defrauded them from. And Jesus hears that and he says, today salvation has come to this house. Zacchaeus' life was changed. It was transformed by the presence of Jesus. It can be a moment like that, John Yates goes on to say, where you realize the truth and you place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's also something that I'm focusing on today that is, uh, this quote answers very well. It says, but it's something that is lived out over the course of, of a lifetime. And he tells this story about this person meeting an English bishop, and he's walking down a London street, and the sidewalk evangelist comes up to him and says, Sir, have you been saved? And the old man's answer is significant. According to the story, he stopped and thought, and then in a very gracious way said, Yes, I have been saved. I am being saved and I shall be saved. What did he mean? He meant he could look back on a moment in time when he put his faith in Christ and turned to him in faith and hope, and he experienced salvation. But he also meant that salvation was something he was living and experiencing more of every day. 
and salvation was something he was going to enter into more fully when he went to be with the Lord in the next life. Can you say amen? You see, salvation isn't just that moment. It's a life lived, and it's an ultimate glorification in Christ Jesus. We continue to see this life, if you remember what uh, John Newton said, I know one thing, I'm not what I was. I'm being saved. I was saved, I'm being saved, and I shall be saved. Newton continued in his life with the Lord. He finished well from all aspects that we can read, like the Apostle Paul who said, I have fought the good fight of faith. That's what it's about. It's a fight of believing and trusting in and relying on him, not at the time, just at the time that you first believe, but a life. Paul finished his life well. He said, I finished the course. I fought the good fight of faith. He was a man believing to his final breath. John Newton, similarly, he was excited. He became friends with this person named William Wilberforce who fought in the English parliament to... Uh, to do away with slave, the slave trade of their day. And he writes and he says, John Newton to, to Wilberforce, he said, Though I can scarcely see the paper before me, I must attempt to express my thankfulness to the Lord and to offer my congratulations to you for the success which he has so far been pleased to give your unwearied endeavors for the abolition of the slave trade. Everything was so intertwined in it. They fought it tooth and nail. Oh, you don't know how much you're going to have to pay for sugar if you do with this. Oh, people are going to revolt. People are, you know, we can't do away with this. It's too intertied together. But William Wilberforce fought, and Newton is saying thank you so much to the Lord, but to William, too, for his unwearied endeavors. And the legislation was finally passed in the commons, and the Lord switched brought an end to Britain's involvement in the trade. The bill received royal assent in March, and the trade was made illegal on the first day of May 1807. It was now against the law for any British ship or British subject to trade in enslaved people. What a journey of a life of faith that ended that way for him, to get to see the end of the slave trade that he was once a part of. What a journey of a life transformed, not by faith. Just not one moment on, on a ship where he wept some tears and wrote a great song, but a life lived, a life lived of faith. I, the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, this portion of Scripture ends on what? our lives are energized and motivated by, and that is the love of the Son of God. I like how he uses the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. We like looking at the love of Jesus and his great love for us, but you see it's the Father who sent the Son. We looked at that last week from John chapter 3, verse 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We looked at that last week. The Father loves you. He loves you with a fatherly love that would send and give up out of his generosity, empty heaven's most precious uh, heavenly vault, and give you Jesus. 
his only begotten son. The father loves you. And Jesus goes, yes, father, let's do it. And he comes and he loves you. Jesus loves you. And he gives himself up for you. And then the father and the son say, I will send one, a helper, a comforter, a paraclete, who will dwell within you and make my love real in you. And that is the holy abiding Holy Spirit of God. And you see that when he talks about the love of Christ, I, as being from the Son of God, I can't help but think about the love of a father sending his son, the love of a son who gave himself for me, and the Holy Spirit who constantly abides to perfect God's love in my life for the rest of my life. It's a great and powerful story of the triune God and his love for us. So we see this love in John 5 that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. John 14 where he talks about the Holy Spirit, the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Paul in Galatians begins to talk about the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. You might know that's the chapter about the fruits of the Spirit. But before that, he talks about, For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For through the Spirit, by faith. In Galatians 5.16, he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit. Walk in this. This faith is walking in a life of the Spirit. And he says, You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Then in Galatians 5 is where he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Gentleness, self-control against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. Hey, bringing that back in, Paul, from Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. What do we crucify? Jesus, he's saying here, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Verse 25, he says, if we live by the Spirit, we shall also keep in step with the Spirit. It's walking in step, a life of faith that says, that walks in that love, that final part, because of him who loved me and gave himself for me. This love is what we walk in, that we live in by faith. Faith has a power with it, and that power is the love of God, the love of his Son, the very Son of God, and the power of the Holy Spirit, the dynamo living within you. This is the life that we live by faith and in faith. And in Galatians 6, Paul concluded with, what does this life do now? That it's, it's, it's crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's who the Son of God is. Who loved me and gave. See, Jesus gave himself. Another translation says he delivered himself up for me. He, he went to the cross. He, he delivered himself up for me willingly. His life wasn't taken from him. See, that means something to Paul. He willingly gave up his life on the cross. And he says, we have to willingly give our lives for others. And that's where Paul ends in Galatians chapter 6. He says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, which is every one of you, that's who is spiritual out here, any one of you that have been crucified with Christ, 
and you no longer live, but Christ lives in you in the life you now live. You live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. And you've, you're spiritual. And when you see a brother caught in a transgression, what are you to do? Call your best friend about it and tell him? Or the many other things that we might do? This is a life transformed by love. It does different things because that love has changed your life. And that love didn't do that to you. That, that love came to you in the midst of your tax collectedness and richness and in your slave trading wretchedness and came in and Jesus' presence transformed you. So he says, you who are spiritual, you should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. You should go to them. You should... Keep watch on yourself, too, because you could be in exactly the same place as them if it were not for my grace. That's me saying that. It, it actually says that, I believe. <laughs> the Spirit, keep watch on yourself, lest you do be tempted. And then in verse 2, he says, Bear one another burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians, if you want to fulfill a law, which they were falling back into, that was the distorted gospel, Falling out of grace, back into works. If you want to fulfill the law, here's the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. Love like you have been loved. Can you say amen? Amen. We're going to take communion together and remember the gift that God gave in His Son, Jesus Christ, and that Jesus came. It's part of our response to hearing the good news. We say... Yes to the body of Christ. We say yes to the blood of Christ. We say as we read in our, our liturgy and service this morning that from John 6 that Jesus said those hard words, you must drink my blood and eat of my flesh to be my disciple. You must partake of me. You must consume me. You must embrace me with your all and take me inside of you. You must be hear the word of the Lord from Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks to the Father for it and he said this is my body take and eat let us partake together as we consume Lord this small portion of bread Jesus, we think about how you loved us and you gave yourself for us. You delivered yourself up for us on that cross. No one took your life from you, but you gave it willingly. You could have called ten thousands of angels to defend you, to come down, to not even go to the cross, but you willingly went. And you suffered. Your body was beaten.
your body was nailed, hung on a tree. You died and you breathed your last breath. Your side was pierced and blood and water flowed. You were crucified for us. We want to be crucified with you. May we take this bread and remember your body broken for us. In the same manner, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood given for you for the remission of sins. Take and drink of it. And when you do, do this in remembrance of me and remember my death until I come. Let us partake of the cup together. Only the the precious blood of your son, Father. Jesus, only your blood spilt for us can cleanse us from sin, deliver us from this present evil age, as you said in Galatians 1.4. Deliver us from our sin. We thank you, Lord, for your saving grace. We thank you for faith in Jesus And we pray that you help each one of us live out that faith to our last and dying breath. May it grow in each one of us present here. And anyone here that has the realization that they are not a person of faith in Jesus Christ, hasn't had this experience, Father, we pray you would reach into their heart, take out their heart of stone, let them have a heart that beats from you of faith in Jesus Christ. And now, Lord, help us to worship you, to worship you with all of our hearts, to worship you in spirit, worship you like saved saints. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.
this blessing. Lord, bless your people with the great love that you have poured out for them and send them out to love others even as you have loved them. In Jesus' name, amen. Love one another.